This is episode number 109 of the Homestead Journey podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And folks, if you are listening to this the day that uh, the episode launches, then you're probably going to notice something a little bit different. And that is that there was no intro music, there's no segue music, there's no music of any kind, there's no outros, there's none of that stuff that you normally hear on the podcast. And that is because currently my desktop computer is unavailable for me to use. It's having some technical uh, technical difficulties. And so what I decided to do was instead of skipping the episode altogether, I would go ahead and record it on my phone. I'm going to upload it with probably no editing. So you're going to get a very, very raw file. And for that, I apologize, but thank you so much for being flexible with me. One of the things I like to say is blessed are the flexible for they shall not get bent out of shape. And so we are going to endure this together. Hopefully it doesn't come out too horribly. And my plan is to go back and edit it in the future for posterity's sake. So if you are hearing beautiful music, great transitions, outros, and so forth, well, then you are listening to the edited version. But if you don't hear any of that, then you've got the raw, unedited me. And folks, I'm sorry, but sometimes it's not pretty. (laughs) All right, let's jump on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, and I will bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. This week was one of those weeks where we, well, we didn't do a lot of homesteading activities. And I know that it seems like lately that's been kind of a mantra of mine. (laughs) But it's that time of the year when we are transitioning away from the daily grind of tending to gardens and so on and so forth. And I really enjoy this time of the year where it allows me to lean into some things that I don't otherwise have the bandwidth during the busier time of the homesteading calendar year. And one of those things, and you may hear it in my voice right now, that there's a little bit of a huskiness to my voice maybe, um, and that's because my wife and I were able to sing in a community choir concert this afternoon to raise money for Operation Santa Claus, which is a program through a local school whereby we raise funds to help children in need at Christmas time. And so she and I were able to sing in that this afternoon, but that meant that Monday evening, which is our normal choir uh, practice time, and then Friday evening uh, this week, we're tied up with community choir practice. And then we had a few other things going on this week. Thursday was really the day that I had reserved. It was the only day I didn't have anything going on that evening. And so my plan was to get a bunch of stuff done around the homestead. Well, as much as you can get done in the short days that we're currently experiencing now that we've fallen back into that, uh, and I lose track. Are we on daylight savings time or have we gone to standard? I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about, how after you fall back in the fall, the nights are just, 
long. And it seems like you get up in the morning, you go to work in the dark, you come home in the dark, and there's just not a lot that you can get done. But anyhow, enough belly aching about that. Um, Thursday night, I was planning on getting some stuff done, and I came home, sat down on the couch, and I promptly fell asleep. And my wife woke me up for supper, I had some dinner, and I went and I went to bed. I have not done that in a very, very long time. But my body was telling me, Brian, you need to get some rest. And so for once, I listened. And folks, I think uh, all of us who live the homesteading life, every once in a while, we just need to understand that maybe the best thing we can do for our homestead is to catch a little extra Z's, if you know what I'm saying. And so that was uh, what I did Thursday. Now, on Saturday, my wife and I actually took a trip over to Massachusetts uh, in pursuit of a new truck bed for our Ranger. Our Ranger truck bed has rusted out over the wheel wells. It's actually started to rust out in the bottom of the bed. Thankfully, I have a bed liner in it. But uh, when you get up in that bed, you can certainly feel that it's very, very punky. And so I knew that uh, if we were going to be able to continue using this truck, which otherwise seems to be in good shape, um, definitely some rust underneath the doors and so forth, but the engine seems to be solid and, and uh, seems to have some good life left in it, but certainly I needed to do something with regards to the bed. And so Bonnie and I uh, spent basically the entire day yesterday heading over to Massachusetts picking up that truck bed, and then uh, coming on home. Now, when we drove over, the weather was absolutely gorgeous. Coming back, not quite so much. <laughs> Lots of rain and wind. And when you have a truck bed that's standing up in a light trailer being towed behind your car, it kind of acts like a sail. And so there were a couple of moments when I wasn't quite sure uh, whether or not we were going to make it through um, the storm safely. Uh, the 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 car started to shimmy a little bit. We started to hydroplane in some areas. But uh, thank God we were able to make it home. And uh, I've talked to a buddy of mine who has a little bit of a side hustle going on. Uh, and he's going to go ahead and put that bed in place for me. Now, I understand that it's probably six bolts is all that holds that in place. Uh, you need to detach the uh, uh, gas uh, fill line and unhook a wire. And that's pretty much all there is to it, at least from what I've seen. But folks, I hate wrenching on stuff. I'll just be honest with you. And I know as homesteaders, we're supposed to be self-sufficient, self-reliant and all that kind of stuff. But... Um, I'm more than happy to, uh, have somebody else do things like this, uh, when I can. Um, that's just how I roll. I hate working on vehicles. And, uh, so this is a job that I'm going to, uh, have my buddy do for me. And, uh, I don't feel one little bit bad in doing that. <laughs> one other thing that, uh, I did do this week, and that was, uh, this afternoon, I went ahead and gave my Coyote tractor uh, a nice bath. And the reason being is that my son's troop is taking part in uh, a tractor parade this coming Saturday. And Wiley is going to be the tractor pulling our float. And so that's actually a bulk of uh, how I spent my Tuesday evening this week 
was with the Boy Scout troop putting together that float and uh, very, very excited about it. It's uh, it's coming together very nicely. And uh, so I am very excited uh, to do that. But certainly Wiley needed a bath after uh, shoveling some wood chips and so forth and uh, just kind of getting into some mud. And of course, I did not do that when it was nice and warm outside. No, I waited until it was, uh, you know, in the uh, low 40s and uh, then decided to go ahead and give the tractor a bath. Um, nobody ever said I was the smartest, uh, the brightest uh, light bulb, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but we got it done and uh, Wiley is uh, looking pretty and uh, very excited to be able to uh, take part in the uh, the tractor parade here in town. It's something that uh, has grown over the years. I believe this is going to be the ninth uh, um, annual parade. Now, we did not have one last year because of COVID, but uh, this year they are moving uh, ahead with that, and so very excited and honored to be a part of that. All right, that's what we've been up to here on the Homestead. I trust that things are well wherever you may be. Before we head on over to this week's Charting the Course, I did want to remind you that this week was the second birthday of uh, the Homestead Journey podcast. November 11th, 2019 was when I uploaded the first three episodes of the podcast. And so we have crossed the two-year mark uh, of the, uh, of the podcast. And so thank you so much for being a part of that. As part of that, every November, what I've been doing is celebrating all month long, the birthday of the podcast. And this year, the way that we are doing that is via a survey. If you go to the homesteadjourney.net slash survey, and you fill that out, that's going to help you help me chart the future of this podcast, but it will also enter you into a drawing for fabulous prizes. That's right, folks. Fabulous prizes can be yours if you simply head on over to the homesteadjourney.net slash survey and uh, fill that out. And uh, thank you so much for all of you who have been filling that out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've really enjoyed um, listening or I guess reading, I should say, your feedback. And uh, I certainly will be taking it into uh, account, into consideration as we move forward with the podcast and maybe some other additional items that uh, you have indicated might provide you some value. And so once again, thank you so much to those of you who have participated and to those of you who are going to participate. Thank you as well again, thehomesteadjourney.net slash survey. All right, let's jump on over to this week's Charting the Course. For this week's Charting the Course, I had really kind of vacillated back and forth on what my topic was going to be. And as my wife and I were heading home from Community Choir uh, tonight, my wife reminded me that uh, it's... Well, winter is just around the corner, and so maybe I should spend some time talking about a wintering over animals. Now, 
in the past, we have talked about some of those things. In particular, last year, we we spent some time talking about the winter watering woes and how much of a pain in the neck it sometimes can be to keep animals watered during the winter. But then I got to thinking, I do not believe that I have talked about the proper way to winterize a chicken coop. And that's a topic that comes up very, very frequently around this time of the years, uh, around this time of the year with people who are brand new to chickens. And in particular, there are three major mistakes I see people make when it comes to setting up a chicken coop. Now, keep in mind, I live in an area where it can get cold and it can get cold for a, a good amount of time. Now, we certainly don't have extreme uh, below zero weather for months on end. We don't have Arctic type temperatures for long periods of time, but it certainly can get down uh, for a week or 10 days at a stretch below zero. Uh, That certainly is not uncommon for us. And certainly we do face freezing conditions for five, six months out of the year. Um, and it does become increasingly colder as we get, uh, you know, farther into the year. And certainly January, February can be very, very cold here in beautiful upstate New York. So I do have a little bit of experience with overwintering chickens. And uh, there are, again, some big mistakes that I see people make when it comes to preparing their coops for the winter. The first big mistake I see people make is they insulate their coops. Now, insulation in and of itself probably isn't a bad thing, except that a lot of times when people are in the process of insulating their coops, they make them weather tight. In other words, they make it so that there is no ventilation. And that is one of the absolute worst things that you can do for your chickens. Chickens need a proper amount of ventilation because when chickens breathe, their breath is very, very moist. It has a lot that that's a big part of the way that chickens actually release uh, water or liquids from their system. It's through their breath and through their feces because they do not urinate. And so if you have a very tightly uh, closed up coop that is going to end up leading to a very, very moist environment because it's not going to be able to escape your coop. So certainly you want a coop that is draft free, but if you're going to insulate your coop, you want to make sure that there is a great amount of ventilation so that that moist air can be released and is not held inside your coop. But in my opinion, insulating a coop is a great waste of money. Chickens already come pre-insulated. Their feathers uh, provide them with all of the insulation that they need. Now, certainly their their combs and their feet are exposed, um, but provided that you are Leave, letting them live in an, in an environment where there isn't a lot of moisture in the air, that you're keeping the shavings dry 
preferably not keeping water inside your coop, they're not going to have as much of a problem with the frostbit combs or frostbit feet as they would if they were in an environment where they are in wet shavings or the air around their combs is very, very moist because you have not allowed for proper ventilation. So a big mistake I see people make is that they will insulate and make their coop weather tight. Another big mistake I see people make is covering their chicken coops in plastic. So maybe they don't insulate their coop, but they cover it with plastic. Again, it's the same situation. It's not going to allow that coop to breathe. It's not going to allow that moist air to be released into the atmosphere. And it is going to provide not just an unsanitary, um, uh, it is going to provide a very unsanitary condition for your chickens to live in. The second big mistake I see people make when it comes to winterizing chicken coops is they will heat their chicken coop. Heating your chicken coop is unnecessary, in my opinion, because again, the chickens already are very, very well insulated with the feathers that they have. But heating your chicken coop also takes that moist air that's there And it makes it warm, moist air, which then settles on their combs and it leads to frostbite. It also can lend itself to making ammonia um, as maybe wet uh, shavings are heated up. That just speeds up the process of creating ammonia, which again is not good for your chickens, nor is it good for you to be breathing. And beyond all of that, There are countless stories every year of people who lose chicken coops. And if they're lucky, it's just their chicken coop. But people who sometimes lose barns and homes as a result of heat lamps in their chicken coops because they were trying to keep their coops heated. You do not want to do that, folks. Leave heat lamps outside of your coop as much as you possibly can. Now, some people will use a heat lamp to try to keep the waterers um, thought out. I think there are better ways to do that than using a heat lamp. To me, heat lamps in chicken coops is just a recipe for disaster. It's very dangerous, and it certainly leads to unsanitary and unhealthy conditions for your chickens to live in. The third big mistake I see people make with regards to wintering over chickens is, and that is keeping feed and water inside the chicken coop. When you have the feed and water inside the chicken coop, again, that leads to, especially the water inside the the chicken coop, the feed may be not quite as problematic, although that can call in pests, but even if you have it just outside, that, that can create problems as well. Um, But having the water inside the coop can lead to the shavings getting wet. And so either A, you're having to swap out your shavings very, very frequently, which is a lot of extra work and a lot of extra money, or that wet shaving sits there. And a lot of times the same people that are keeping water in the chicken coop are people who are have heat lamps in the chicken coop. And so again, it leads to that toxic kind of smell and 
and uh, just unsanitary type situation for your chickens. Um, and so the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is to take the water and put it out in their yard. Now, if you can set up some kind of a covered run, even if it's a small one, I happen to use a hoop coop. It's uh, just a small hoop coop that I built back in the day uh, that's way too heavy for me to move around. It also has my wet rabbits in it. And so I keep the water and the feed, generally speaking, out in that and not inside the coop itself. Um, and then it, that just certainly provides for uh, better airflow, ventilation, and so forth if they do kind of get water uh, around the, the place. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend that you keep it out in a covered area, but if you can't keep it out in a covered area, there are ways that you can put it out in an uncovered area, maybe put some windows over it, um, or use black rubber tubs, um, things like that, that will use solar energy to try to help you keep the water unthawed and keep you uh, keep your chickens with a fresh supply of of uh, of water without the mess that comes by keeping the water inside your chicken coop. So those are some of the big mistakes I see people make when it comes to uh, overwintering chickens. The biggest one is probably people trying to heat their chicken coops with heat lamps. Definitely a no-no. Do not do that. Avoid, 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 avoid. The second one is people insulating their chicken coops and making them airtight. Chickens need an area that is draft-free, but well-ventilated. So you don't want the uh, air blowing straight on through that coop. You want to have them have an area, though, where the, wa the air can um, re be released through ventilation holes, uh, perhaps in the upper part of your coop. And then the third big mistake I see people make is keeping the water inside the chicken coop. Avoid that if you can. Move it outdoors. Move it out into a covered run. And I think you will end up uh, thanking me later because it's going to keep that uh, coop a lot drier. And uh, you don't need any additional moisture in there because already their feces in their breath uh, puts off enough moisture uh, that, that can already create problems, let alone adding in uh, wet shavings that come as a result of them playing in water inside the coop. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. I know this is not generally uh, the format that I provide the uh, podcast in. It's usually a lot more edited, um, a little bit more finesse. And so hopefully this makes sense. Um, and I definitely do plan on coming back through and editing it, editing it. See, I can't even talk right. <laughs> I will edit it in the future for posterity's sake, but, uh, in the spirit of just trying to stay on schedule and, uh, keep putting content out, um, well, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. That's another saying that I uh, like to drop every now and again. Now, I would love to hear your feedback. If you think that um, I should have just held off and presented a better edited version of the podcast, let me know that. 
Um, Brian at thehomesteadjourney.net. I would love to have your feedback. Um, and uh, if you're happy that I went ahead and decided to move forward with a podcast and do the best I can with what I've got, let me know that as well. Um, and if you don't care either way, well, let me know that too. I would love to hear from you. Brian at thehomesteadjourney.net is my email address. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.